our first our debut episode and ray screwed up his video so <laughs> so you're already ahead of ray here noodles <laughs> Hello, folks, and welcome to Got Your Back, NHL edition, LeBron and Rashog and Noodles today. Thrilled to be joining Jamie McLennan to the podcast, I believe for the first time. Something tells me Noodles just might have a good Got Your Back story. This man has lived a life, and I feel like if we go mining down deep into the depths, we're going to find something. Uh, so Jamie McLennan of TSN and Overdrive fame are joining us here on the podcast today. And of course, as always, got your back. LeBron and Rashog is brought to you by our great friends over at Cross Country Canada Supplies and Rentals. They do absolutely everything when it comes to the construction industry in this country. You want to build a road? They have what you need from the survey equipment to plan it out to the equipment to haul and move the dirts, even the material you lay down to stabilize the terrain. Basically, if it's a big construction project involving pretty much any facet of construction in the Canadian uh, construction industry, Cross Country Canada has got you sorted out. They got a get her done attitude over at Cross Country Canada. They do that with a lot of pride. I've been to the head office, I've talked to the owners. They're serious business, but they know how to have fun, as we found out at their Christmas party. Uh, always happy to have Cross Country Canada on as our title sponsor here on Got Your Back. We say good morning to the fellas. Noodles, I like the angle. We see you on Overdrive all the time. It's a bit of a more head-on angle, but I like what you're doing here. Let's take well, us on a tour, man. Show us the rest of the office. I mean, honestly, it's... Uh... You know, it's nine o'clock or whatever time it is. I, it's early. This is my office. This is where I do overdrive. There's my tie line. There's my camera and all that. I've got TVs in the background, TVs over here. I've got everything covered. Um, when the pandemic hit, as you guys know, it was like overnight. There was like studio at home. Let's do this. And uh, honestly, within 24 hours, I was set up and you know, my wife helped uh, with kind of the background stuff and uh, threw some masks in there and a giant picture of me actually playing hockey instead of just sitting and watching it with a baseball cap. So uh, it was pretty good. We got it all sorted out. So <laughs> I'm, I'm happy to be at home and have a, a nice home studio. Pierre, we need a giant picture of you broadcasting behind you. Uh, no, no one needs that. It's bad enough that uh, my gigantic head has to be here live on our podcast. No, we don't need a, a picture of me broadcasting. Maybe, uh, maybe a picture of me. Maybe a picture of me in a Dallas Cowboys uniform oh, at, Tom Brady, at Tom Brady's last game. And maybe that uh, yeah. picture. We should, yeah, you, know. you were. What? T- how long have we been rolling here? We've been rolling for a minute and forty seconds. We've already got a Dallas Cowboys mention on the podcast here. Noodles. Is it yeah. as nauseating? In your other endeavors with Pierre, the Cowboys, he just bludgeons this podcast with Cowboys crap. Well, I, I mean, I'm a, I live in Toronto, so I'm around Leaf fans, and Leaf fans are basically, I think, the equivalent of Cowboy fans in the world as well, because those organizations are very polarizing. Um, they they take a lot of oxygen up, and you know, in my lifetime, I haven't seen a lot of you know secondary success type of thing. Although I used to, I, I feel as, as a kid, I would tell Pierre this, I had a, I don't know if you guys remember those perforated like half shirts. Like they were, like they were, um, like they were just holes in the shirt. Yes. But it was, 
I had one of a Tony, Tony Dorset yes. one, but I was too skinny fat to wear nice. it. I wear a t-shirt underneath it. So I was like, you know, I had a Tony Dorset. You did not. I swear to God. It was a Tony Dorset, like, legend. Quarter, you know, like, I'd wear it to school, but I'd wear a t-shirt underneath it because I'm like, I don't need my gut hanging out there, uh, you know, what I'm oh, trying to be. So, so it, my it, first I Cowboys do, hero, baby. I will say that I did Tony love Dorsett. the Cowboys kind of growing up. Tony Dorsett, Tom Landry, guys like that. But uh, I faded away. I'm not the biggest football fan. For some reason, and I don't know if this is good or bad, I always became like a big Belichick fan because I like the fact that he was like a, a guy that kind of stirred the edges. You, you know, they had deflate gate, you got spy gate, you got all these things. I'm like, this guy's trying like yeah. hell everything so for some reason i always felt like <laughs> new england was like my team even though i didn't really care for tom brady i just was like it's belichick that guy was a no-nonsense guy so um i don't know who i cheer for now i still want belichick he's under the gun right now i, I want him to come back and have yeah. some success without tom brady well and and i and i have to mention this because i, I okay. obviously i do i do a weekly hit on overdrive and noodles has always been good to me about my cowboys fandom o dog and hayes are all over me yesterday i got completely blindsided hayes is welcoming me to overdrive and he's like and we all know Dak prescott's an interception machine and welcome us now it's pierre lebron <laughs> and it was just like right in the chin before i get on overdrive you know hey uh, can i call you out on something noodles I got to call you out on something here. So you're talking about the similarities between the Cowboys and the Leafs and how in your lifetime, you know, there hasn't been a lot of, you use the term secondary success. I want to point out to you, Noodles, that in the rest of the sporting world, that's just called success. There's no primary success (laughs) if you aren't winning trophies and going to finals and such. So you've been in Toronto so long that it's now you've created a whole new tier of primary success and secondary success. Hey, this is really funny. (laughs) Listen, tomorrow is the first day of April. Mm -hmm. 19 years ago, 19 Aprils ago, 19 Aprils ago was the last playoff series win for the Toronto Maple Leafs. I mean, I sometimes just mention it out loud because I think that it's like, well, you know, we all know it's been tough, but they've had a lot of good teams. They have a lot. They have had a lot of good teams. 19 (laughs) years ago. Since the last secondary success. I I will. You know, it's so funny. You're calling me out on it. I I believe, I think that's how it softened it over the years. I've been here, I think in Toronto, like 10 years or 12 years now. It's like, you know, not primary or whatever. It's like now we've separated. It's like regular season success and then and secondary success. success. Yeah, yeah. Like secondary postseason <laughs> success. So, that's not I mean, the that's, way it works. That's not <laughs> how you know that noodles. We um, don't just use the word success and they haven't had a lot. And I don't know. I mean, Pierre, you can speak to it. Correct me. When's the last time the Cowboys had any, you know, secondary, secondary success? success? Well, Thank goodness the Cowboys have some playoff wins, including this year, of course. Like I said, they put Brady into retirement. Oh, boy, um, here we go. Dak here we beat go. Seattle and Russell Wilson a few years ago. And if you're talking championships, it's a long time ago, but they won the Super Bowl in 1995. So not quite. The comparison between the Leafs and the Cowboys isn't quite direct, although I, I will allow 
that in terms of the fan bases, you can find some correlation. Sure. That's where I was going. It, it, to me, the fan bases are loud and, you know, boisterous type of thing. Like, and, and I, I don't know what percentage or a layer of it is just their, I, I don't mind passion, but I don't know what the word was like unreasonable would be. It's just like, you know, the, the rapping is always bad. They're, they're always getting screwed. There's always something. So, I don't know what, and I think that's with every fan base, but it just, because there's, there's such big fan bases, there's so much noise. There's a layer of noise right. and, and it doesn't matter where you go, whether it's hockey or football. Um, and you could probably apply that to the Yankees as well in baseball. Mm-hmm. There's just, uh, because that fan base is so big, the yeah. layer of secondary crazy, we'll call it, um, Gets a little bit higher. That's just that. called cozy. Yeah, yeah. That's just called. By the way, that yeah, is I a think, symptom uh, of not enough secondary success. Is that secondary well, crazy fan? Yeah, I'm I talking think Leaf fans will finally be happy. I think they're going to be tapped on the first round. But anyway, that's okay. a conversation for All another right. day. I'm grabbing control of the steering wheel here. No shock. Noodles took this thing off the rails. Uh, let's get to the breakdown. Brought to you by our good friends at Kuma outdoor gear they have a wide range of gear to fit all your outdoor needs from tents to sleeping bags travel games pet products and drinkware and fellas are they ever fired up about their new switchback heated chair i have one it's sitting right over there so i'm a camper i got a fire pit in the backyard this thing is going to be lights out it's a heated chair it's got a heater in the seat a heater in the back but it's not one of those great big giant ones it's just like a nice chill camping chair it's uh it's got the insulated drink holder on one side and then the game changer for me you guys right on the armrest on the right side is a tiny little hook wine glass hangs off the end of it like this thing is unreal and it hooks up to your phone it's bluetooth tech so if you want to go outside in 20 minutes you hit go now the thing preheats and you sit your high-maintenance little tush down into it in 20 minutes' time. So this is just hitting the market. They're fired up about it. It's the switchback well, well, chair. Why do, you get all the, why do you get all the free stuff? Because they keep giving it to me, and I'm not sending it to you. I thought we shared the podcast. I'm keeping it all. I'm keeping it all. I'm excited. I'm concerned. There is That chair would work for everybody in this world except for one person, Jason Strudwick. He doesn't have a, bo- a phone. That is Bluetooth capable because I think he has a flip phone and he's got a frying pan for an ass. So basically, I don't know if how that would fit into the chair. It would just be a backslash like leg warmer for him. So uh, other than that, the chair would be amazing for everybody else outside of Jason Struggle. I feel, you know, so he's my partner, right, on my other podcast, Got Your Back YEG. I kind of feel like I need to defend him a little here, Noodle. I don't like the idea, and I know you're tight, but you piling on to him when he's not here to defend himself, I feel like I got to represent a little bit here. I'm not sure what he'd say to you. It would be sort of a half-witted retort that nobody really understood. So if I could come up with one of those, I'd throw it at you right now in honor of Struds. I'll give you his retort is when I talked about the three-quarter Tony Dorsett shirt where I had to wear a T-shirt underneath, he would go, you have a body like a bag of milk, and that you know, saved yourself. So he would have chewed on me on that segment, so I'm going to chew uh, on him on this one. Put it that way. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, an absolute class. I know you guys love having him on Overdrive, too, because he, he chews on the Leafs uh, from yeah. Western Canada, which is always good content. Okay, let's get to some actual hockey talk. We apologize for the ridiculousness, but... 
That's how we're feeling here on a what day is it? Thursday morning? Is it Friday? Or Friday. Friday? It's Friday, Friday, dude. Friday morning. Yeah, man. Come this on. Is, I know. I was up late podcasting with Struds last night. Uh, so let's talk about the Edmonton Oilers. Struds and I were both at that game last night. So as far as regular season games go, guys, this was one Ooh. that really had some juice to it, right? Yeah. The Kings yeah. have owned the Oilers this year, beat them both games. Uh, scored nine goals against them. Their power play had dominated the Oilers. The Oilers' power play was 0 for 7 against the Kings. So against a team they were potentially facing in the playoffs, the Oilers had some stuff to get done. They had some. Yeah. They had to throw down some gauntlets last night, Noodles. And on a number of fronts, with Stuart Skinner leading the charge, the Oilers threw down that gauntlet here on the precipice of the playoffs. I really like the game. You mentioned it. It had a playoff feel. There was some bite to it. And yeah. the one thing I noticed, and I will give Strutty some love there, he pointed out on the broadcast, is you know the, the bodies that Ken Holland has added, there's some meat to them, you know, a little bit of yeah. bite. And, you know, you throw in a guy like Kane, who I thought that was his best game of the year. I, I Seven hits in the first period. Just impactful. And that's what... You know, I thought, obviously, in the playoff last year, McDavid and Dryside will put a clinic on, but I really thought Vander Kane, especially, was a huge difference against the Calgary Flames. I, there were teams that just don't have an answer for him because he's a top-six guy who can play a different style than most skilled guys. And he imposed his will last night. And it was just, you know, he scores a big goal, beautiful pass by Dreisaitl, but he's also, it's just scrum after and a little punch here and a little pop there. And, you know, he gets into it with Jersey a little bit. He's after Drew Doughty. Like, you can tell the guys, to a man, knew what was at stake last night. Just, like, kind of setting a tone going, hey, this, this is what it's going to be like. And you're not going to get seven goals on us. Although they did give up some chances and Skinner was fantastic. But conversely, I thought Corpusella was unbelievable. He made yeah, some yeah. saves in that, that second period alone. That game, that game would have broken up open, especially on the power play. He made that left pad save on Drysaddle. Um, but I, I just, I thought that in the playoff field, it had some bite. It had a lot of intensity, and both teams knew what was what was at stake. Um, I would add in that Fiala not playing was kind of a bit of a bonus, kind of last minute because he for sure. lights lights out for them. But that was uh, right from top to bottom, a really entertaining game. And I know the shots were, I think, ended up, what was it, 43, 38, something like that. Um, you know, there were chances at both ends. It's just there were people pointing out, well, you, you know, tight defense, you gave up 43 shots. Uh, for me, I, I thought they did a pretty good job of allowing Skinner some good looks, and he made some big saves at the right time. But, uh, you know, I, I just, I like the game from top to bottom, and I thought the big boys came to play, and I thought their secondary guys were really physical. And, and really played that tight, you know, type of checking playoff style. So it was a really quality game. One of the better ones I've seen in the last while. 42-37 yeah. the shots. I really yeah. enjoyed it. I think Louis DeBrus made this point several times during the broadcast, but the puck battles themselves <laughs> between the yeah. two teams, yeah. it was warfare. And you don't see that a lot in the regular season. You can tell that we're about to, to, to turn the page to the next season. Obviously, Connor McDavid's shorthanded goal. My goodness. Like, come yeah. on. Really? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, that's just ridiculous. Who did he freeze at the end? I missed the number on the replay, but the second Kings player he freezes at the at the Oilers' blue line yeah. with that last dig before he's gone. Oh, my goodness. I he, think it was Arbertson, I think, because he got caught yeah. flat-footed. 
But the, my, the best thing about that breakaway is if he has a burst of speed and then he shoulder checks to see how much yeah. time he has. That's when he slows up and goes, okay, now I'm going to start to stick handle and move yeah. this thing around. But man, what a play. That was, that was a all world play. Yeah, that's a great pickup by you, Noodles, because McDavid, that's a move that he uses in the shootout, that insanely fast hands where he goes in slower. And yeah. he had that burst of speed, and absolutely, he shoulder-checked and went, yeah, let's play this yeah. one like a shootout. Like, he yeah. earned himself yeah. enough space to go to his A move, which is generally a shootout move. Uh, yeah. A ridiculous backhand pass from Leon Dreisaitl. It's just becoming ho-hum, these backhand passes of his. I do want to ask you specifically about Stuart Skinner Noodles. So he's yeah. doing a lot of this for the first time. I mean, he's not a kid, but he's young into the league here. And yeah. so last night, the pressure he faced in that game was probably about as much pressure as he would have felt to this point at the National Hockey League level. Steady, calm, composed, economy of movement, all those things that make him so good. My question to you is, how does a playoff series way differently on a guy than say a game like last night would have and what's your read on skinner's demeanor and ability to handle it when shit gets real because it's about to well I'll, I'll be honest for everything i've seen from him has been growth and i know there's been all the focus is on well jack campbell was supposed to be the guy and and you know he's been a bust all these things Pierre, you and i talked about it the other day in theory, I think this has been what Ken Holland envisioned as far as a tandem. An older guy who has experience in the league and has played that you know starter role, even though Campbell played 49 games last year, seven in the playoffs, so 56 total. But a drafted and developed local kid that you know is growing into his own. So if I look at and this is why I've got to go back to the tandem. I think that in theory, signing Campbell was the guy that you needed because you needed a, an older guy to play with a younger guy. And I, it was either Darcy Kemper or Jack Campbell for me that that would fit that role because they were 30-plus. Right. Where you've got Skinner, who's 23, coming 24. You couldn't go and get Billy Huso, who played 44 games. And you're like, right. okay, now you've got two young guys who have to figure it out together. I would much rather have a veteran guy who's a good citizen, you know, well-liked, all of that type of stuff, to play with a young guy. And I, I use the term safety blanket, where yeah. if there's one guy falters, the other guy comes in. That's the traditional tandem. So I look at Stuart Skinner, and he's kind of had this almost like a dream season. You know, he makes the All-Star game, he gets an extension. I believe he had a baby, or he's married he and had a baby, correct? Yeah. Right, so like all of a sudden, it's like life changes, like overnight. But he's handled it well. I think after the All-Star game, there was a bit of dip in his play. And that's where I kept saying, like, that's when you need Campbell. When a young kid goes, hey, you know what? It's just a little bit too much right now. I need a reset. Mm. Or I need a week, week to just kind of practice and, and, and refine my game and my habits. That's the tandem situation. I said this the other day, and I, I don't know where it come, but I still think Jack Campbell might play a role somewhere along mm -hmm. the line. Strud's keeps saying the same thing, too. He's He's been on that for a month. They're going to need him. They're going to need him. They're going to need him. And we're watching Skinner going, uh, they might not. They might not. What? <laughs> they might not. You hope, you hope that they don't. And, I mean, the yeah. kid stands on his head last night, and you see him 
you know, growing as a player, yeah. maturing. I like everything about his, his demeanor, using his size, his, his movement, all of that. But he was aggressive last night. Like he, yeah. There was a play where it came left-handed shot. I think it was Kempe. Cuts from outside to the inside. And Skinner takes a step out. He's like, you know, come get it. Like, I've got you. I've got this. And makes a big save. And he battles for the rebound. You could tell he was dialed in. Now, when the pressure ramps up, there's no te- we have no um, you don't know sam- we, we have no sample size for him yeah. so yeah. If there is a situation where he does falter you're right like he's gonna have a long leash don't get me wrong but if, if there is a situation where he does struggle I still Jack Campbell's got to be at the top of his game even if it's mop up minutes where it's like hey he allows three quick ones and you gotta you gotta stop the bleeding immediately like that's what tandems good tandems do. But Skinner, I think he's the way that I've seen and just the sample size that I saw last season a little bit and then this season, he looks pretty well equipped to handle kind of the um, the mental stress that's going to come and the yeah. pressure. Believe me, you guys know Edmonton gets, gets pretty noisy and the expectations yeah. are high for this group and he's going to have to shoulder that. Pierre, you can I, take I, the rest of the morning off. Noodles is just crushing no, it here. No, it's good. I, <laughs> Calder I, conversation for Skinner? Pierre, you I, think? I, I, I get, I get the, Yeah, no, for sure. He's, I, I, if he's not one of the three nominees, then, then that, that's a crime in my mind. Veneers and know, Thompson maybe? Or? I, I hadn't met Skinner before. And then like a few weeks ago when the Oilers were in Toronto, I made a point of introducing myself to, to Stewart and came across as such a mature young man. But one of the things that we talked about because I always wonder how a, a player, but especially a goalie, will react to this question. But I asked him if, in hindsight, he's, he's now appreciative of the time that he had to develop in the NHL and not being rushed to the NHL. And he said, absolutely. He said, you know, every player wants to be in the NHL as soon as possible, of course. But he now realizes that the grind, all part of becoming a goalie. And I think that position in particular, if teams can be patient, um, it really, you really reap the benefits on the other yeah. side of it. And I think you're seeing that with, with Skinner. He's so, f- go ahead, Pierre, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, and, and Noodles mentioned the piece we did together in the athletic this week, grading all the goalies that changed teams. Obviously Jack Campbell fared the worst in that grading. I still believe that Jack Campbell has a chance to redeem himself in Edmonton during this contract. But to Noodles point, and I didn't really think of it until Noodles made this point. Of course, the guys that graded at the highest of our list of the goalie carousel from last summer were Gorgiev in Colorado, Gustafson in Minnesota. But I, you can't put those guys in this situation and think that it's going to mesh as well, I think, with a young Skinner, right? To, 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 to Noodle's point, like, you know, Gustafson is protected by Marc-Andre Fleury. You know what I mean? So so all these things kind of mesh together, and and I think that even though – it's been a, a year to forget for Jack Campbell. The process, the reasoning behind the signing is sound, even if the results have been absolutely terrible. So and the Oilers can kind of, you know, not hide behind, but they can be like, hey, you know, our goaltending costs us seven and change. Pretty good. We're happy with that, right? Meanwhile, it's Skinner. Right. the one that. By the way, the, the, I still can't get over Skinner interviewing this guy. This is how nice he is. He's done this probably three times to me this year. So I asked him a question last night. I said, Stuart, you seem really calm in net tonight. Did you feel like you were in the zone right from the get-go? And he goes, hmm, thank you. And then and then he answered the question. So he thanks you for the compliment before he answers his question. It's hysterical. And he did it for a third time to me this season last night. But beloved player 
uh, in the Euler locker room. Real solid guy, and it's interesting to watch. Okay, let's move on. It's not just the Edmonton podcast. Uh, lots else going on. I want to talk about the Winnipeg-Calgary-Nashville dynamic that is happening. The Jets, boy, oh boy, the Winnipeg Jets, the way this thing has gone. And now the Calgary Flames are there with potential. Nashville ended up with a tough result last night. But Noodles, what's kind of standing out to you in this dynamic between Winnipeg and Calgary and that scrap for that spot and just what's happening with Winnipeg? Well, two things. Okay, so yeah, do Winnipeg first. I mean, Winnipeg, and I, I said this, and I have to wear this, but I think I, I wasn't wrong in my assessment. I, I felt at the time I was in Winnipeg a couple months ago, watched them live, and they at that time I think were fifth in the NHL in points percentage, and like mm-hmm. I think two points or two points like out of first place in the central. Like it was that like this team was Morrissey was an absolute beast. Hellebuck was stopping puck. Shifley was scoring goals. Guy's got 38 goals this season. And they were doing it well without Nikolai Ehlers. Nicole Perfetti, I believe, was in the lineup. So and Blake Wheeler didn't look like Struddy, you know, like a, a weathered veteran. You know, it, it was like all of a sudden like this whole group was like they were meshing. They were feeling good. That third line was rolling Adam Lowry. I had a great shot with Rick Bonus. He's like, I just empowered these guys. They got a good oh, yeah. feeling. And, they were feeling and they, it. They were feeling it. And then all of a sudden, it's just off a cliff. And the only thing, because I'm not privy to the conversations in the dressing room or anything behind the curtain, but from me, it looks like the well is poisoned again. And that's that looks like yeah. the last year's Winnipeg Jets, where it was like guys skating around, skating over their lip. Uh, I looked at their power play is one for 30 in their last 30 attempts. That's not winning games for you. Blake Wheeler had zero goals in his last 21 games. Uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois has one in 10. Uh, Kyle Connor has one in 12. And Mark Scheifele has zero in his last 10. So all of that has dried up. The goaltender looks human, even though he's not getting goal support. And Josh Morrissey eventually was going to have a bit of a market correction. So you're looking at it, and the only thing that's changed for me is Cole Freddy's not in the lineup. So he was a guy who helped, you know, slot guys a little bit better. And and now you can see when things go, when things are great, everyone's dancing around, doesn't matter who's the captain, doesn't matter because it's like, I'm getting my cookies, I'm scoring, I'm feeling great. When things dry up, it almost goes back to like finger pointing yeah. go well, you know, and, and that's yeah. what I, I'm looking at Winnipeg and I'm like, I think they've reverted to last year's Jets attitude and whatever's going on in that room. And to me, it's seeping on the ice and they got to find a, res- they got to find a response for it or else they're out of the playoffs. Because I think I look at Calgary and Calgary's kind of getting production from guys they've been begging for all season. Yeah. Markstrom looks Markstrom looks like a goalie again, like a like a top tier guy. You know, the, the only consistent player on that team really all season has been Michael Backlund. And and now all of a sudden you're getting Kadri starting to look better. Huberto's looking better. You know, Walker Dewar kids got some speed. They're in, infused some speed at the bottom of the lineup. Um Calgary's coming. So yeah. Pierre, how know. serious Pierre, how sorry, Jamie, how serious yeah. is the concern in what Winnipeg's had going here, Pierre? If you're management looking at this thing, it's gotta be DEFCON. I don't know if four is more serious than five, but it or than yeah. one, but DEFCON one will say. 
And I don't even know if it's just about whether they get in or not. Like, I think if they get in and then get smoked in the first round, I think the offseason will look similar either way to whether they make it or not. In that they have decisions to make forcibly. Pierre-Luc Dubois last summer through his agent, Pat Brisson, told the Jets, you know, I don't think I'm going to sign long-term here. So that was already parked. But now you got Mark Shifley. You know, what's going on with him and Rick Bonus? Mark Shifley is a year left on his deal. It's not just whether, you know, do the Jets want to sign him long-term. Does he want to be there long-term? And the other one, I mentioned this on Overdrive yesterday, and this doesn't get talked about as much, but Connor Hellebuck has a year left on his deal. Mm-hmm. Are you really going to let him show up to camp in September on an expiring deal if he's not signed? Yeah, the exodus might be real. So, so this could be a real reset moment for the franchise mm-hmm. as far as needing to and, and and more so than any other team in the National Hockey League in my opinion you also have to maximize on, on your asset management because of the difficulty it is to to lure free agents to Winnipeg so when you're talking about guys like Hellebuck and Shifley you got to know what are we doing here because otherwise you got to recoup um, some assets back for those two players so again I'm not saying they're both leaving no one's told me that, but I'm just I'm just reading what's in front of me here and, and looking at this, and I think there's some pretty big decisions coming uh, for that team. Now, obviously, if they get in and get on a surprise deep playoff run, I always say the playoffs change a lot of narratives. Oh, yeah. But right now, it's just looking like a team that's going to make a lot of headlines this summer. And I just want to quickly mention on the Flames, since we're talking about potential roster changes, the Flames had some really difficult decisions to make at the March 3rd trade deadline. They, they were coming off a tough loss to the Leafs the night before, a game that a lot of people were watching around the country. The Flames were in a bad spot. I know for a fact teams were calling on Backlund. They were calling on Lindholm. Oh, and boy, it would have been Did you have imagined? Well, and, and, and who would have blamed... Brad Treeling for saying, I'm not, you know, sometimes Doug Armstrong with the Blues over the years would say, you know what, I'm not feeling it with this team. And, and, he, and he, he's never been scared to move a guy. I would not have blamed Brad Treeling for saying, you know what, let's have a little mini reset, like Washington did at this trade deadline. But the Flames hung in there and kept their guys. And now they may make the playoffs. I, I'm just saying it's, it's, you know, we tend to overhype the trade deadline and, and decisions made that day. But some of the decisions that we never talk about are the ones where you hold your cards. Mm-hmm. And you're like, you know what? Yeah. I'm not giving up on this team. Are they, if they get in noodles, are they a danger to anyone if they get in? Yes, I think they are. I, I've said this a long time. Like I said this in November, they're built for the playoffs, not the regular season. The regular right. season is. You know, hey, you don't hit me, I don't hit you. Like, hey, let's nice, you know, let's have a nice game out here. Nothing to see. Business like, decisions. Yeah. Yes, and yeah. that's not the way they're built. They're built heavier on the wings. They're built, you know, they want they want to be grinded out. Two, one, three, two. That's the Daryl Sutter mantra. There's two teams in this league that are a pain in the ass to play against. And I don't think it's very, I could say more, but just looking at them from the outside, they're both kind of either on the fringe or just in. The Islanders and Calgary, right. teams yeah. don't like playing them because they're just, I, I, I say this respectfully, like they're just, they just grind you, they're moldy. Like they're just like, man, they just, you want that piece of ice, go earn it. Instead of like, hey, yeah. like it's just, 
and and nobody likes playing the Islanders because they just know it's going to be a certain type of game. Calgary would be the same thing. And if they could make it and the goalie starts, you know, really flying and playing up to his potential, they could be a danger for somebody. And that's why I'm so interested on how the seeding is going to shake out for both, like in the West, basically, for both conferences and both uh, divisions. Because I'm looking at it this morning, like, you know, it's still a coin flip. The owners could win the Pacific and... And, you know, Minnesota or Colorado could win it. And then all of a sudden, Edmonton's playing like Seattle if they end up the top seed. Like, it's crazy. Could still be a battle of Alberta. I I was just going to say, who's going to say it? It could be Calgary Edmonton first round. Yeah. Never know. Hey, listen, uh, uh, moving on here. I like like movies. I love movies. I love going to the movies. I'm fascinated. I, I can't consume enough movies. There's just something so darn cool about Deadpool being in the stands at a hockey game. It's just when, you know, he was there again last <laughs> night. They flashed the pictures of him. He's smiling and laughing and taking pictures with fans. Like, I'm a big Ryan Reynolds guy. All of his charitable endeavors, the way he runs things, right? So admittedly, now, don't have a pony in the race here as far as ownership goes. It'll be what it'll be. But every time I see pictures of Ryan Reynolds in the stands at an NHL game and fans' reaction, I don't know, Pierre, it just feels like, Man, the NHL would really benefit from having Ryan Reynolds stamp on this thing on a regular basis. Just the way he does his things. I, we're not we're not pulling for anybody, or it's it, the process needs to play out. But you got to think the NHL would love to have that guy on this product. Yeah, well, and you don't have to, uh, you know, to speculate that Gary Bettman and Bill Daly have talked openly uh, about the fact that it's really neat to have met him, to have him around this thing. You know, they love to have him part of it. Yeah, it's all good. And the NHL never really gets that kind of buzz, right? It's pretty rare. You know, you don't you don't get a lot of, you know, uh, you know, John Hamm with the St. Louis Blues. Uh, mm-hmm. That was pretty cool when they won the cup. Yeah. I remember writing a piece. This is completely on the side here. Asking John Hamm during the cup final for his Conn Smythe picks if the Blues won the cup. Maybe one of my favorite pieces ever. And he knew all the stats for all the blues. He did, players. eh? Yeah, he did. But, you know, that, that I mean, it would be amazing. And in particular, amazing for a Senators franchise. And let's just call it for what it is that, you know, gets so sandwiched in terms of being shadowed by the Habs just down the highway and the Leafs in their province. And, and, and the kind of buzz that would be so awesome for Ottawa, I think, to have if it happens. But let's also be clear about the process someone's going to bid the most money yeah. and and the league is going to be pretty comfortable with that figure. So let's not, let's not make it too complicated. Dollars before Deadpool. Yeah. I, I think it's good for the league. And I think there's no downside to having people that have name recognition. And regardless, like I, I think in Toronto, like Drake kicking around, like it's just there, you know, whether you like his antics or not. Uh, I mean, it's, it, it's, you know, Bieber awesome. the other night at, at the Leafs game, you know, and him tied to whatever those jerseys they do or whatever that happy face on that jersey and that. Like, it's good to have star power in your league. And Ryan Reynolds, I think that's what the NHL probably is thinking is like, regardless of any, you know, ownership group, if you could slide him in there and have a face, have you know, Deadpool night, have him tied to an organization, there's no downside. He builds winners. 
I mean, you look at uh, the the telecom company he just sold, the ridiculous money he made on that. He's he's a marketing genius and he builds winners. We'll see which way it goes, but that'll be fun. Uh, last one before we get to our uh, – sorry, we're keeping you a little long here, Noodles. I did want to ask Pierre about the, the press conference with Marty Walsh yesterday and just – uh, we don't want to dig too deep into it, but what, what do you think the headline is of this guy stepping out of the White House and into yeah. the NHL Players Association and the impact that he has the potential to make? What sense did you take away from that yesterday, Pierre? Yeah, I'll go back to, to the lead of the piece I wrote on him in The Athletic today, which is that this guy exuded confidence without arrogance yesterday. It really kept coming through me as I listened to him that, this guy knew what he was talking about, was super confident, and yet not that hint of I know it all. In fact, there were a number of topics where he said, you know what, I gotta, I'm, I'm going to have to, I need to know more about that before I have it. Mm-hmm. He really handled himself well. I, I, I was impressed. And, um, you know, a couple of takeaways. One is that he says the players will not agree to raising escrow in exchange for raising the salary cap this summer. So we'll see where that goes, but it looks like probably the cap will only go up a million. The other one is I, I got a bit of time with him alone after his news conference, and and we talked about the Arizona Coyotes, and he said, "Yeah, that's not that's not right." He said, "Those are National Hockey League players playing in a college arena. Something has to happen there." So that's right. clearly one of the early ones for him that I think he wants to dig in on. So something to file away. Players' perspective, Noodles, how do you think they're feeling after yesterday, what you saw? Uh, we had a chance to interview him as well. Like, I agree with Pierre. Right. Very well-spoken, very confident. Um, you know, didn't uh, – he seemed to not be overwhelmed by the moment at all. Like, hey, you know, and I've done this. Because I asked him, like, kind of point blank, like, you know, do you feel like you need to learn a lot? And he's like, this is – you know, when it comes down to – negotiations and stuff because I've done this for a living for 30 years. Like I'm not right. worried about that, whether he goes, it's iron workers or, you know, he, you know, coal miners, he said, or hockey players. He said, like, I know the framework of that, but um, we were joking with them. Connor McDavid called or Biden called, you know, like whose call would you take first type of thing to be worked with Biden. And, you know, yeah. I believe it, it was, yeah, I, I, I thought he was fantastic. I'm a, from a player's perspective, uh, again, I was a player rep. Uh, I loved having more information, the better. There are some players that were like, just let me know when we're playing hockey and for how much. Right. I, I was the guy who liked to dig into it. And he yep. seems like a, a guy that is very capable and, and not intimidated by anything. And I loved one comment he said, uh, he said to us. He said, you know, a lot of times the PA and a business – he goes, it, you don't want to be butting heads. He goes, you're trying to grow the business for the betterment of everybody. Um, and and right. he said, I, I look at this as a partnership and figuring out what's best for this partnership to grow and to continue. Because he goes, if the product grows, it's better for everybody because it's more money in people's pockets. It, it, it continues to grow the brand. So. I liked his approach. It didn't seem like combative. If anything, it seemed rational. And and I look at I'm not taking a shot at other leaders, but just the experience I had with them it was just always like it seemed like it was combative. And it's like yeah. I'm going to go at it, you know. And I I think he's taking a different approach. I don't think he's a pushover whatsoever. If anything, I, it seems like a you know a friendly pit bull. But like that was a guy that 
I think has has so much experience from a player's perspective. Uh, you would trust him right away the way that he the confidence that he exuded. And and just a quick add, you know, one of his clear priorities, and I talked to a couple of player reps about this this week, because because they said they can feel it too. He wants to really raise player engagement. Mm-hmm. I mean, Noodles, you were in the the players' union. I'm just going to call for what it is. There's just a lot of guys don't care about yeah. labor issues, at least in between CBAs. Let's put it that way. They care when it's time to renegotiate. And so Marty Wall said it yesterday. He goes, his experience in unions is there's usually about one-third of the members that really care. And then you got to work on the rest. He goes, I want to bring it way above one-third for the NHLPA. And he, so he, he, I think players are going to hear from him more mm-hmm. so than they've heard from previous leaders, I guess, is what I took from that. Good stuff. All right, guys, fantastic segment. Uh, Noodles, you really brought the thunder that segment, but we're, we're going to keep you around for one more segment because I have a feeling you're poised for some serious secondary success in our next segment. Oh, yes. <laughs> Stick around. Noodles has a story for us. It's story time, and we love story time here on the podcast. That was the breakdown brought to you by Kuma Outdoor Gear. Plenty more to come here on Got Your Back. Stay with us. We want to tell you about a truly Canadian company. Cross Country Canada Supplies and Rentals provides equipment and supplies to all facets of the Canadian construction industry. But what sets them apart is their get-or-done attitude. It's a core value of their company. I've been to the offices. I've seen how they proudly display that on the wall at each branch. Every one of the staff members lives by the get-or-done formula to ensure they'll never let their customers down. They'll bend over backwards to get their clientele what they need when they need it. They don't make excuses. Cross Country Canada takes great pride in this attitude, and they truly believe that the success of their customer is their success. You can't get much more Canadian than that. All right, time now for Who's Got Your Back, brought to you by Liberty Smart Security, a company that definitely specializes in having your back. High-quality, advanced smart security systems For your home or your business, they use leading-edge technology to protect the things that you value most in life because your home is your castle. So protect it with Liberty Smart Security. Go to libertysecurity.ca. I've had a Liberty Smart Security system protecting my, I won't call it a castle, Alberta dwelling uh, for the last seven or eight years, and it's uh, awesome technology. I love it, and great peace of mind knowing we've got a monitored security system okay noodles we love getting people's stories about that time in their life where somebody came through for them i know you've come through for a lot of the people in your life but i know for a fact some have come through for you too so as we throw that out there to jamie mclennan give us a story about a time someone had your back my friend uh okay i mean quick one jason strudwick and i we were playing cards uh i think it was like the edmonton expo and I hit, I was the last guy and I hit like I was supposed to stay and I hit and a guy started yelling at me and he got into my face and Struddy stood up and was like, that's enough. So that Come was on. a big one. Yeah. Yeah. Struddy was like, that's enough. We, we won't Was he that. friendly or was he menacing when he did it? No, you know what it was? If he had this firm look on his face, he was like, that's, you know, that's, uh, we won't have oh. that. Like and the, guy, the guy was like. There was some grizzled guy smoking and um, and and like Strutty just looked at him and said, that's enough. And uh, the guy just, you know, went away type of thing. So that's a quick one, but I, I'm going to okay. tell you, um, 
All right. <laughs> this isn't the most flattering story for me, but I will tell you. So we were on we the love road. These kind. I will say it was exhibition season, so that you know your your level oh, of okay. boozy stories, level context, yeah. <laughs> boozy stories, love it. Context, context, level of commitment is maybe a little bit lower in the preseason <laughs> as opposed to the regular season. So we're out in Vancouver, uh, you know, playing the Canucks, and and uh, after the game, we end up going to an establishment, and it ends up being very, very late, and I end up. Oh, it wasn't by chance called the Roxy, and didn't by chance have carpet, did it? It may. I just remember being downstairs at the Roxy, and yes, it was like a glass case of emotion. And There's a downstairs at the Roxy. Yeah, Only special there, people get down there. I didn't know. Okay, continue. Downstairs. So we're downstairs at the Roxy, and it's like four o'clock in the morning, whatever. And and um, as people know who know me, I'm pretty good friends with Chad Kruger from Nickelback, and Chad is there, and and he's like, hey, you know, let's get back to the house and. It's not like his house is just, you know, kind of a block away. Like he lives uh, in a suburb 40 minutes away. And so we end up there late. And um, all, all I'm thinking is like, okay, the bus is at, you know, 11, 12 the next day. I got to get home. And you know, we, he's got a rink at his house. So we're on the rink and shooting pucks and doing all these things. And, you know, his rink is kind of an underground rink. So it's underneath his house. And, you know, wow. we... All Late the cool night stuff happens in the basement. That's, yeah, that's a rock star's house, put it that way. So, anyway, <laughs> um, we, you know, I tell his, he's got a driver. I'm like, I'm going to go sleep for a couple hours, but I'm like, I need to be downtown Vancouver by 10 a.m. And I like, you know, please just, pick, you know, um, can you wake me up and take me there? And he's like, yeah, no, no problem, no problem. And, <laughs> I go to sleep and I get the tap and said, it's 10 a.m. Let's go. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I should be downtown at 10. The By bus 10. By the 10. Bus is and we're flying out to the next city. So I'm like, like, holy smokes. And I'm panicking. I'm panicking. And everyone's sleeping. And, you know, and I like pull Chad's phone and I'm like, dude, I, I got to get downtown immediately. And he goes, okay, relax. I got an idea. He goes, oh boy, I'll get you, I'll get you a helicopter. So this helicopter within <laughs> like seven <Come> minutes. <laughs> get you a helicopter. Within seven minutes, this helicopter lands in his like, um, like he's got this giant, you know, property. Like right on his front lawn, I run out and it's I'm seven minutes later, I'm downtown Vancouver by where we're Come staying. On. And I run over and I make the bus. Because otherwise I wouldn't have made the bus. It would have been an hour to get downtown traffic. The bus would I would have missed the flight to the next city. So the moral of the story is either don't go to a rock star's house or at least have an escape <laughs> plan. And if all hell breaks, please get him to get you a helicopter. So uh, somebody had my back, Real. and uh, that was him. So amazing! Uh, oh my goodness! Kind of Greatest yeah, like story the- ever. <laughs> yeah, wow. that's right up there. We've had some gooders on the pod, but that is right up there. Now, now, I, now, now, I'm a bit weird about details. Who now? This, who checks you out of the hotel? Then, like, where, where's the rest of your 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 suitcase <laughs> and stuff? How did that get to the the plane? I landed. 
so the bus was leaving, I think at 11 or 12, I'm not sure, but like the, I was able to be back in time, go up, change, do everything and ah, get okay. on the bus because right. it was okay. a seven minute flight so, legitimately. Okay. So who is your coach? I can't tell you that. <laughs> okay, okay, oh, you can't, all, right, all right. All right. Okay. So there's only certain details. I can't, I can't tell like certain details because it just outs like the whole situation. But put it okay. that way, I've never been more scared in my life as a professional athlete. Put it that way. Okay, right. So, so Mr. Sutter, uh, I, you didn't say that. I, I, I said that. It wasn't uh, there. Okay, good, good enough. So, did your teammates know? Like, how long did you wait before you informed them? Yeah, I, I, I almost missed the bus, so I had to get a helicopter. Like, how did anyone know? How long did you wait? Because I feel like I'd get on the bus and just start telling people immediately. I bet you you waited a year at least. <laughs> I or is this the first time? <laughs> oh no, I I talked about it, and I have a, a book for charity. I talked about it in the book, but I yeah. um I just remember like I kind of like once everything was good, I kind of was like, yeah, that went south pretty quickly because. I think the look on my face, and keep in mind, like, I had, like, two hours sleep, so I must have been green as a ghost anyways. So, awesome. you know, it, it, I think I waited a day or two once things settled down. I, it might have been sooner because somebody was like, dude, like, what did you end up doing after that? How did you, you know, because I think everyone just assumed you just take a car back or whatever, but it, it didn't happen that way, unfortunately. That is a dynamite Got Your Back story. If I had more budget here on Got Your Back, I would buy the rights to Nickelback's song Saving Me because it is so apropos for that story. Chad Kruger from Nickelback had Jamie McLennan's back. I love it, buddy. That's great. I got a new nickname for Noodles. What's that? Chopper. Chopper. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Right on. Great stuff, Noodles. Thank you so much for sharing a dynamite story. Great job on the pod today, guys. Much appreciated. Thanks to all of you for your downloads and your subscriptions. And uh, if you were watching on Twitter or on YouTube, thanks for joining in uh, on the conversation a little bit. Really appreciate your contributions here on Got Your Back. A big thanks to our sponsors as well. Uh, Cross Country Canada Supplies and Rentals, Kuma Outdoor Gear, and of course, Liberty Smart Security. We're getting close to playoff time, so the pods are going to keep coming and uh, look forward to it. We'll chat with you again next week, folks. Thanks, guys, for your time. Talk to you soon. Cheers, everyone. <laughs>